broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in phoenix arizona it's time for valley business radio spotlighting the valley's best businesses and the people who lead them Hello and welcome to another edition of the Arizona 100 podcast. I'm Adrian McIntyre with phx.fm, joined as always by Abby Fink, publisher of the Arizona 100. Hi, Abby. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Well enough. Uh, things are changing in our world. It is a dynamic environment. Uh, lots of news coverage of COVID-19 as an evolving thing. Today, the governor of Arizona has reopened a lot of different businesses. There's some new rules and regulations to follow, but things are changing. How are you? I, I'm doing okay. Yeah, it's been a topic of conversation, you know, both for how we're consulting with our clients and how we're considering it for our own business. But yeah, his announcement earlier this week that the um, executive order would expire at the end of the week and that he's offering up some guidance and how to reopen some additional businesses really puts a lot of conversation out there about, you know, what what do you do as that type of business owner as, as potential, you know, clients or guests of restaurants and gyms and public pools and all these other things, you know, what decisions are we going to make in order to safely return to those those establishments? Someone earlier in a conversation used the word comfortable risk, you know, where where is the comfortable risk in going out? And I thought that was a really interesting way of describing it and what is comfortably Comfortable for me may be very different for you. Um, one of the other persons in the conversation is a mom with a young child at home, and her comfort level is significantly different than mine being single um, and not having you know kids at home to be concerned about, and or you know taking care of someone that might be in one of the more vulnerable populations. So, I think there's a lot to watch for in the next handful of days as the as the business is open and. You know, there's a lot of smart people out there making sure that their businesses are returning in such a way that they're going to take care of their customers, equally take care of their employees. So, you know, I'll be I'll be sitting back for a, a little bit longer and watching what happens. I'm not um, quite ready yet personally to be out and about, but uh, I am I'm ready to to wish success to all those folks. I do hope that they are able to, you know, implement the the social distancing strategies and follow the guidance and and successfully get themselves back in a, you know, on the positive side. Summers here are always challenging for certain businesses anyway. So I'm hopeful that, um, you know, with with some of the stay at home orders happening around us in other states, that there'll be a little bit more focus here and a little more attention here in Arizona. Those ideas of staycations and such might be what we're all doing for vacationing this summer. And we'll see. I, I'm I'm hopeful and and optimistic that these are good decisions. And we will, um, when we're together again talking about this, we'll have some good things to report that that everybody is on the right track. Yeah, it's certainly been fascinating to observe that throughout the course of this crisis, which in many places has not run its course, and I think we have to remember that while we're making some positive moves in the reopening direction, there's always the possibility that we have to pull back again. We've seen that in other places. It's just something to be mindful of. Throughout the course of this whole dynamic evolving crisis, we've certainly seen the best and the worst of people yes. <laughs> come out. You know, And um, I think it's just a reminder to all of us that at the end of the day, the health and safety of ourselves, our families, our, our customers, our employees, our communities has to be the priority. Otherwise, what are we even doing out here? And of course, uh, the economics matter. And of course, people want to get back to work and and should get back to work as and when they can safely. But, you know, I'm just 
I'm just reminded that we're a bunch of humans out here uh, with limited information and a lot of opinions, trying to make the best decisions we can. And uh, boy, it is uh, interesting times. Yep. Interesting times. Well, and you know, the other thing that that's continued to, to resonate with me is is the 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 kindness of so many people. And you know, we're we're hearing from some of the nonprofits that we work and support that they're, you know, the need is is dire and they're desperate for resources, funding resources, food pantries need, donations, et cetera, et cetera. And the call out to the community is being responded to. They are getting contributions and, and you know, people are digging in a little deeper and finding an opportunity to help. And, and I, there's, you know, there's just a general sense, I think, of kindness and support. And I hope those are the things that I hope continue as we, you know, get back to whatever, again, the normal is going to be, that we remember these opportunities to slow down a little bit. You know, I had a fascinating conversation this morning that that I want to just mention here because, as you said, get back. One of the things that I'm very interested in is some signs that in at least certain industries, certain organizations, even with certain individual people, what's turning out to happen here is not trying to go back to something, but a, a, a re-emerging sense of creating a new future. So the conversation was with somebody from a leading executive search firm. And I just said, listen, what are you seeing? You know, what are you hearing? And the answer was, um, you know, it's really fascinating. Uh, none of our searches have canceled. So people are still looking to fill top positions at big companies. And there's also a sense in which there's many people realizing that they've got options mm -hmm. and they don't have to settle for unfulfilling drudgery at work. And a lot of folks have used this time of disruption to reconsider what really matters to them. So there's conversations around purpose and meaning and really saying, you know what, I might sit this one out for myself and wait instead of just getting the next thing because I have to, like somehow like the treadmill, the hamster wheel right. of our lives got at least disrupted enough that there's a sense in which we can be creating new things and and finding meaning and purpose. And that was very exciting to hear. Well, and and we're, we're watching it in so many ways. The, you know, the, we've talked, you know, pivoting to a new business, pirouetting. I've used that term quite a bit. You gave that to me a few weeks back. But the, you know, if, if you're going to stay relevant and you're going to stay successful, you had to think about doing things differently. And for a lot of people that meant in their, in their own current work structure. And for others that meant, what else can I be doing? And that has to be considered a positive. I mean, it may not have been why, you know, you didn't set out that way on March 1st to have to think about something new on March 15th, but that's what you were handed. And if you were able to make those adjustments, I think that's to be commended and, 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 and um, embraced. There's a lot to say for that. And the struggle that people are having is is kind of giving themselves permission to to make those evaluations and let it be okay if you don't know the answers yet. We don't and we we won't for quite some time, but figure out what it is, pursue it, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, and there's still another chance to, to you know to figure it out. And you know the 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 conversations that I've had across all sorts of businesses and different kinds of, you know, age groups and, and such are all in that same idea that, you know, what what I was doing before was fantastic. I loved it. But I'm kind of liking what 
I'm getting exposed to now, that's maybe a bad choice word, what I'm being able to experience now, um, a slowdown, a, a shift, a, a new way of doing things. I mean, I, I know personally, I'm just as busy as I've ever been, but in a very different way. And um, I'm not, you know, in the car complaining about the traffic. I'm not in a, you know, waiting in lines. I'm not, you know, the, the time sucks that happen. So my day is, you know, the 90 second commute from the back bedroom to the kitchen to my desk is kind of nice. I'm not, I'm going to admit, I'm not really looking forward to getting back in and, and, and the hassle of some of that. But I'm eager to get back to the friends and the, you know, the socializing and the camaraderie that exists in the workplace. And it's far too soon to call what the long-term effects of all of this are going to be. And we're in the middle of it, for one thing. Um, reopening doesn't mean it's ended. It just means we're changing how we re reorganize ourselves. But as we see many companies that shifted to remote work that never planned to, didn't, didn't, didn't think this was necessary, in many cases thought it was going to break them, yep. it was just not possible, are now saying, you know what, we can actually do this. It was very interesting to see uh, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, come out and say, Twitter employees can work at home forever. And they don't have to come back. Like, we're good. We figured this out. Uh, and other companies, you know, working out different configurations, they may downsize, they may realize, as we've talked about, that they don't need as much square footage for their office because they're okay having people in two days a week on alternating days and having less people in. And so there's a lot that I think will be positive or at least different that's still emerging. And that's also a fascinating thing to see. Yeah. And we'll watch it happen. You know, we'll we'll see how this evolves over, you know, the next several months and and see. Because I know as a business, we're considering the same things. We're talking a lot about, you know, what what it could look like, what the options might be, and what makes the most sense for us as a business, but the team that we have. You know, that not even if this is a, is available to us, do we have the right team that wants to do it this way? you know, what does it look like so that everyone is feeling fulfilled and, and satisfied in the workplace? So lots to talk about. And of course, a lot of stuff we don't know, know what the answers are, but it's kind of fun to pontificate a little bit and see what we have, to, you know, what we think. Well, and experiment and try and talk to other folks. I mean, there's one of the things that I, I'm quite certain of is that there's a, a new body of knowledge that's not been widely shared because we've all been sort of compartmentalized. And I'm really looking forward uh, through phx.fm to getting back in communication with so many of the business leaders here on the Valley and just have them share some of the things that they've learned, the ups and the downs and the new ways of thinking and new ways of working. Because I feel like there's, there's a lot within our broader business community uh, that, that will benefit others once we have the, the, venues in place for that to be shared. Sure. Now, one of the areas that has clearly been impacted directly and also has had a secondary effect on pretty much everybody else is education. And there are a lot of stories in this edition of the Arizona 100 that deal with different aspects of education. So schools are not reopening. Um, we see on the national level, some universities are saying they're not even going back in the fall, but that hasn't been declared here in Arizona yet. So what are we looking at and what are you hearing through the lens of the Arizona 100 when it comes to education? Well, you know, the, if we all were required to 
you know, to pivot, pirouette, change our business model, um, the education system, um, primarily, I think we're talking about the the K through 12 system, um, might have had one of the more difficult challenges is to doing that. You know, a, a, the traditional school model with classrooms and kids going to classrooms and lunch and recess and whatnot um, doesn't easily trans, um, you know, transform itself to a virtual environment. And and of course, for a good percentage of individuals, the fact that their child goes off to school for, you know, seven or eight hours a day means they can do their jobs. And and now the job has relocated to the home and so was the school. And now they've become a full-time instructor as well as a full-time employee and whatever role they play in their household. So it's been really interesting to see how um, how the education system has been adapting and, and the providers of service that have been able to step up and say, you know, we recognize the challenges and how can we help you continue to do what you're going to do. So there were some really interesting um, stories that we uncovered over the last um, couple weeks that were really focusing on on the education system. So, um, for instance, Cox Communications, you know, our, our internet provider for the, the vast majority of the state said, you know what? Kids are at home and kids need access to a good, stable internet connection if they are able to do their their online learning. And in some cases, there might not be an internet connection at home or maybe not a high-speed one. So they said, you know what, we can do that. And so um, now through uh, the middle of July, under certain qualifications, a K through 12 student in your home, access to, you know, the technology, they're offering free and reduced internet services for for families so that they can allow their kids to continue to um, learn and be educated throughout the, you know, basically mid-July, which in a lot of cases is almost time for summer to wrap up if we go back on a traditional schedule. So, that was nice to see. Uh, there's also quite a few organizations that are saying, you know, it's really very sad that all these kids that are going to graduate aren't going to have the big ceremony that, you know, we've all come to expect with pomp and circumstance and the tassels and the, you know, the the proms and some of those kinds of things. And so um, an organization here called Expect More Arizona which is an advocacy organization for the education um, of our kids throughout the state. They said, you know what, just because there's not a physical graduation doesn't mean we can't recognize the graduates. So they're having, um, have designated May 20th as Arizona Graduation Recognition Day. And that's graduating from virtually any kind of school. You could be a kindergartner going on up to first grade, fifth graders into sixth grade, eighth graders into ninth grade, high schoolers, college kids, you know, PhDs, whatever it is. If you're graduating, they want to help recognize you. And on their website um, at expectmore.org, there are several ways and ideas on how you can recognize um, your, your graduate. And I think if you look around your community, you can see some of the things that are happening. Signs are popping up in front yards that says, you know, a, a XYZ high school graduate lives here. Uh, we're seeing parades by teachers and principals that are that are um, driving by their students and, and congratulating them. So, you know, a real opportunity to recognize the, the, the achievements of these students in what might be a non-traditional way, but still giving them the chance to, um, to receive their honors. Um, I think what you're going to see, at least probably in the university environment, is they are going to do convocations in the 
fall for those that are graduating here in the spring um, and inviting those students back. So it is it is safe to assume there will be some public recognition, but for now, uh, visit Expect More Arizona and see if you can come up with a way to honor your, your grads and your life. Um, in the Tucson area, Chase Building Team is doing a... a, a uh, I guess we'll call it a competition or a contest. You can um, nominate your graduating senior um, and they will select uh, four people in the Tucson area, four students in the Tucson area to receive some public recognition for graduating. So they'll get some uh, iPad and gift certificates and some other things. So the business community is certainly also seeing uh, the value in recognizing our our students and, and their slightly disrupted way of graduating. Uh, we've talked before about the um, the charitable um, nature of our community, and there's quite a lot of um, nonprofit charitable trusts and foundations that um, exist in our community. And one in particular that seems to be rising to the occasion, um, continually rising to the uh, is the Piper uh, Virgin G Piper Charitable Trust, and they are support of a variety of different organizations, Jewish Family and Children's Service, Excel, uh, Esperanza, just number of organizations. And what we're hearing from our um, nonprofit partners is Piper has told them that some of the of the the grant money that you would be receiving, we're going to let you have that a little bit sooner. And we're going to change some of the guidelines on how you can utilize those funds because you're going to know best right now what's important for your organization. So um, they're really stepping in and and helping a variety of different nonprofits in our in our state um, and giving them the flexibility to put that that money to good use. So um, you know we applaud them, and of course there are plenty others that are doing the same, both large family foundations and and those individual individuals that are making donations as well. And I think final, um, in terms of individual donations, um, you may be familiar with the um, Red Nose campaign that happens every year at this time. You can purchase a Red Nose from your local Walgreens store and the purchase price benefits um, education programs throughout the country. So this year, of course, with the limits on retail and shopping, the Red Nose folks said, you know, we can still do this, but we're going to take it virtual. And so you can still donate at rednose.org and you can still make contributions through Walgreens. And instead of getting a physical Red Nose, you're going to get some fun graphics that you can use on your, your social media and still support the programs here in Arizona. It will benefit the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Phoenix, Metro Phoenix, and Educare Arizona, which is a program for... Um, the Head Start programs, the youngsters in our community. So again, even though we're in this challenging times, our nonprofit community is stepping up, our charitable contributions are, are still being seen, and our corporate um, businesses here in the state are, are truly doing what they can to do their business, but still support those that need them. Well, I love that idea. And in fact, I hope that one sticks around because instead of 
selling a bunch of things that just end up in a landfill, you know, with the graphics or the filters or whatever you can use on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok and everything else, he's probably going to get more visibility than than just a physical thing yep. and still do a lot of good yeah. in the process. It's been fun to watch some of these things happen. You know, uh, last week we participated um, in a virtual breakfast event for Esperanza, a program here that supports... Um, Families in uh, in our in the uh, senior community, the Title IX students at the schools, and you know they weren't able to do their in person breakfast, so they said, you know what, let's figure out a way to do it, and they took it online, and they had people participate from all over the country, and donations came in strong, and they were able to do it from their the comfort of their own home, watching it on their their computer screens. So. We can still be successful. We can still be, you know, helping organizations. We can still be supporting our community and the businesses that we have. And uh, and I think we continue to prove we have that resilience in order to do that. Absolutely. Well, every issue of the Arizona 100 is just full of stories like these 100 words each uh, that give a glimpse of the many different issues and innovations and developments happening throughout the state of Arizona. It's a free publication, comes to your inbox twice a month in its usual publication schedule. We've been doing a few extra episodes or uh, issues rather here recently. I'm so in podcast radio world. Everything's episode. an episode to me, but uh, issue <laughs> for the publication. Uh, Abby, where do people subscribe if they haven't already? And how do they send info if they have a story or a tip, something they'd like to be considered to be included? Sure. The issue is uh, twice a month on the second and fourth Thursday of the month. You can subscribe to the free email at thearizona100.com. And if you have any interesting news from around the state that would be, uh, you know, business focused, nonprofit, arts and entertainment, health, really anything that impacts our community, we'd love to hear about it. And that email can be sent to editor at the Arizona100.com. Each story is exactly 100 words with a photo. So keep that in mind as you submit your information. And we look forward to focusing on other businesses out there each and every time we put out our issue and spending some time here with you on the Arizona 100 podcast. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Abby Fink, publisher of the Arizona 100. We always appreciate your perspective and your insights. Thanks for joining us. For all of us here at phx.fm, this is Dr. Adrian McIntyre. We'll see you next time on the Arizona 100 podcast. 